we are all being changed. We're not who we were, and we're not going to stay who we are right now. The question isn't, are we being changed? The question is, how are we being changed? The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Rome, says that we have two choices. We can either be conformed to this world and shaped into its image, or we can be transformed and shaped into the very image of Jesus. Well, hey, good morning. Man, I am glad that you are here. It is the big day. It is the one day a year where all of our locations get together hang out, have a good time. It's kind of, you know, that family reunion with people that you like hanging around. It is our harvest celebration. That's going to be happening this afternoon. I know that you've already heard about it from your location, Pastor. I know that you're going to keep hearing about it, but man, it is today. We want you to come. It's a good time because it's a great reminder that we are one church in many locations. We don't do this multi-site thing because it's easier. We do it because it's better, and we believe that it allows us to have more influence and a bigger impact on the part of the world that God lets us call home. And I'm thankful for a series like this where I can, uh, as the lead pastor, just share with you where I feel that God is leading us uh, into the next season of The Orchard. And, you know, I, I know that it has been a little bit awkward over the last few weeks when you've had to use video. That's not your preferred format. I get that. But I think it's also a good reminder that It's the presence of God that matters when we gather, not the presence of me or any other pastor. And that when the Spirit of God is in the room with us, that's what makes the difference. And he's here right now in this moment as we push toward uh, the harvest celebration today. So uh, I hope also that you realize the extra weight maybe that comes with these messages because we feel like they're so important that we want to show these same message uh, to every location to make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, and I'm afraid that you know, maybe we miss the weight of that in a series like this that in a lot of ways seems to be foundational kind of stuff. I mean, it is foundational kind of stuff, uh, but I think it's really that important. If you remember back to the first week of this series, I, I talked about the guys who skip leg day at the gym, right? These big, built, muscular guys who are standing on toothpicks. They, they are jacked and massive, but they've got no foundation. And I wonder, you know, if that's not how God sees us in our faith sometimes, that all this surface level stuff, it looks really good, but there's no foundation there. And that's really what God's been pushing into my heart, and hopefully I've been able to push into your heads, is that that's not who we want to be. We don't want to be a church that all this stuff that's sitting here on the surface looks really good, but there's no foundation. No, we want to be deeply formed. We want to make sure that as we are changed, we're not conformed into the image of this world, but we're transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so my goal for this series has been to cast a vision for our church that would move each of us to become fully formed followers of Jesus fully formed followers of Jesus, that idea, spiritual formation, moving Jesus to the center of our hearts and lives. Um, We said, and this is just a short recap to get us on the same page, we said that has to start, right, with having a a formation of our faith, right? The foundation of all of this comes from a thoughtful searching of the Scriptures, allowing the Scriptures themselves to shape and form what we believe. 
We don't just believe what we believe because other people believe it. We don't just believe what we believe because it goes along with preconceived notions and ideas. We don't just believe what we believe because that's what grandma or grandpa said. We believe what we believe because like Martin Luther, we are convinced by the word of God. And then as our faith is formed through that understanding of scriptures, we can then uh, allow those same scriptures to form our beliefs uh, and our lives. Right, Not just what we believe, but what we believe about how we live, what we believe about who we're becoming. And we said last week that that formation in our lives has to be deeper than just our actions and behaviors. We're not going to settle for behavior modification, tying artificial Hobby Lobby plastic fruit on dead branches. But we want deeper inner transformation of forming of our attitudes and our affections. Right. And that's our forming in life. So formed in faith through our beliefs, formed in life through our attitudes and our affections. And then the end result of that is as we are fully formed in our life to look more like Jesus, transformed into his image, then being changed into that image of Jesus will help us be more effective in our mission, pointing people to Jesus as we look and love like him. And really, That's what we're going to press into today. That's who we want to become, a people who are shaped by the scriptures, who live the scriptures out and look like Jesus and are therefore compelling to the lost friends, family, neighbors around us. I think it's clear and always has been at the orchard that we are a church that wants to impact lostness. Right, We are a church that wants to make a difference in eternity because of our relationships where we've shared the gospel and people have come to know Christ. One of the things that we have said for a long time at the Orchard, even though it may have been a while since you heard it, is the reason that all of us are here right now is because there's so many who aren't. There's so many who aren't anywhere. There's so many people that live in north central Florida that have a church on every corner and they say a prayer before every Friday night football game, but they have no real saving relationship with Jesus as their savior. That's why we're here, because this part of the world is overchurched, but it is underreached. And there are a half million lost people out there who still don't know Jesus as savior. And they're closer than we might realize. So what we want to do is become fully formed, not just in our faith and our life, but as we said, in our mission. And we do that by moving Jesus himself to the center of our mission. Now, this may sound weird, and so I want you to to hold with me for a second. But our mission, impacting lostness, cannot simply be about seeing lost people come to faith in Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. Our mission to impact lostness cannot be simply about seeing lost people come to faith in Jesus. Now, before you lose it or I lose you, hear me out. See, we absolutely want to see our friends, our families, our kids, our grandkids, our coworkers, our neighbors. We want to see those people come to faith in Jesus But our primary motivator for that is that Jesus wants to see that too. Don't don't miss that, right? Our primary motivator for mission can't be that we want to see those people come to faith in Jesus. 
our primary motivator for mission has to be that Jesus wants to see those people come to faith in Jesus. This, after all, is his heart and his mission. So when we want to be an outward-focused church that loves God, loves people, impacts lostness, that's not just because we're a contemporary church that has lights and the preachers wear jeans. It's not just because we're an outward-focused church. When we are an outward-focused church who wants to impact lostness, it's because we're following the heart of Jesus there, right? We're following the heart of Jesus to those that he loves, to those that he wants to reach, to those that he wants to welcome into his family. When we follow the heart of Jesus, it leads us to those who are far from him. And so moving Jesus to the center of our mission means that we are on mission and we are living on mission for Jesus's sake because it's his heart. And it's his mission. And here's the thing. It always has been. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking, well, I don't know, Chip. This sounds like a a new thing. I need to think about this. But what if I told you this idea of this being Jesus's mission and Jesus's heart, that we do this for him more than we do this for anyone else, has always been at the center of what you've known and probably what you've believed. It may just have been lying under the surface the whole time. For instance, For our time today, I want to take you to probably the most famous verse in all of Scripture, a verse that without a doubt, most of you in the room, you know it, you've heard it, John 3.16. You might not even have to open up your Bible app or turn in your Bible. I hope you will. Uh, But let's look at John 3.16. And I want to show you some things out of that today. This is what Jesus says in John 3.16. This is what he said. For God so loved the world in this way, He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Right. uh, We were talking about that verse Tuesday and somebody said that's elementary Christianity. It is. That may be one of the first Bible verses you've ever memorized. Or maybe if you're here and you've seen that on a a sign at a football game somewhere, but you've never known what that meant. This is what that meant. This is one of those kind of core foundational verses of who we are, what we believe that shapes the way that we live, the way that we think. And I want to show you today, it should form the way that we live on mission. And so what I want to do is take this very familiar Bible verse, John 3, 16, And I want to break it down a a little bit, just kind of piece by piece. Let's look at the first part, right? John 3.16 starts, For God loved the world. God loved the world. Think about that for just a second. Why are we here? Because God loved the world. Why are we on mission? Because God loves the world. You see, God himself is and always has been the initiator of mission. If it wasn't for God himself and his heart for the world and his heart for the lost, there would be no mission. God is the one who acts and he acted first. Scripture tells us that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. John tells us later on that we love him because he first loved us. God is the initiator of our mission. He's the one who acts, and we see it clearly. He's the one who acts out of love. He acts out of a heart for the world, particularly a heart for the lost. 
I love that phrase when it says, God loved the world. Because when we think about the world, we're thinking about God loves everyone, right? This is an all-encompassing term. God loves all, the rich and the poor, the old and the young, black and white, Democrat, Republican, in-laws, outlaws. God loves the world. And if we want to be a follower of Jesus, then we have to do that too, right? We use that term follower of Jesus a lot. But have you ever stopped to think that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, where are you following him? Like, what does that mean? Are you following him to church on Sunday mornings? Is that the only place that you're following Jesus? No, the idea here is that if we want to be a follower of Jesus, we want to follow his ways, follow his steps, and I would say follow him on mission. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have got to follow Jesus on his mission to save those who are far from him. God loved the world. And then we said that God, for God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son. God's love is not some generic, wishy-washy, fluffy kind of love. It is a concrete love. It is a specific love. Now, maybe you've noticed that what I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, is a little bit different maybe than what you memorized as a kid. We memorized as a kid, for God so loves the world. And what we read here in the CSB is that for God loved the world in this way. That's actually a better translation uh, because sometimes when we hear for God so loved the world, we think that so means the amount, the quantity, how much. But actually that word so is better translated just like this. God loved the world like this. Or maybe put it this way, this is how God loved the world. God loved the world specifically by sending his son, by giving his one and only son. God's love for the world is defined by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. God gave his highest and his best, and in giving his son to spill his blood so that you and I might have our sins washed away, God said once and for all, this is how I love the world. And this is how I love you. For God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son. Why? So that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. You see, God's love that initiates mission, moves him to action, defined by the giving of his son, is for a purpose and ultimately according to his plan. God's purpose and plan from eternity past has been to save those who would turn from their sin and put their trust in him. He sent his son not just as an example of love, not just to be a positive moral teacher, 
But God sent his son Jesus into the world to make a way for us as sin-broken people to be made right with him. You see, our sin has separated us from God. In our sin, we stand under the full weight of his wrath and the full weight of his judgment. And the scriptures teach clearly that the only way that our sins could be forgiven, that we could be made clean and made new, is by the shedding of blood. And that's what Jesus did, and that is why God sent him to get on that cross to shed his blood so that he might take that full wrath, that full judgment from God against our sin, and we might be brought back into a right relationship with the Father. God sent his one and only Son into the world for our sins to be forgiven and our hearts to be made new. But there's a caveat here, right? Because it's so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. You see, this is an offer that is extended to all, but it is only effective for those who would believe. Those who would come to a place in their life where they're not coming to church to show how good they are, but they're coming to church because they realize they're never good enough. Those who have quit working for their own righteousness and quit working to show everybody else how upstanding and moral they are, but those who have been broken by their sin, ashamed of their past, realizing that at best their righteousness was filthy rags, those people who would cry out to him and say, Jesus, I know that on my own I could not get one step inside of heaven's gate, but I believe that you paid the price for my sin so that I might be clothed in your righteousness. Jesus, save me become the king of my life. See, those who in faith believe and in repentance turn to him, that's who are saved. But even going further, that being saved, man, it's so much more than just escaping hell. Knowing Jesus as your Savior is not like some get-out-of-hell-free card where, you know, I really don't care about going to heaven, but at least I'm not going to hell. No, when you are saved, when you are made right with God, when your sins are forgiven, when you're gifted the righteousness of Jesus, it is life, and it is life to the fullest. That's the gift we've been given. And that life, that eternal life that comes from knowing and believing in Jesus is a life that this world can never give. And it is a life that death can never steal away. That's why God sent his son out of love. For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever will believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This has always been God's mission. And so then the question is, Orchard, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and I and our heart's desire to be fully formed? Number one, I think it means that just as we've always done, we love God by loving people. You know, the orchard, we talk about that, Pastor Eddie's vision when he founded the orchard that is so compelling. It's the reason you and I are all here today. When Pastor Eddie founded the orchard, he said that we just want to be a simple church that loves God and loves people. And then one day, years down the road, those two got even closer together. And it was like, you know what? It's not just that we love God and loving people, but we believe that we love God by loving people. God himself is the initiator of our mission 
and he is the initiator of our mission, moved by love for lost in the world. And so we join him in that mission, not out of obligation, but because we love him that much. We want to love people because we love God. Our love for Jesus is our heart's motivation for mission. And I get it. Sometimes it's hard to love the world, right? Sometimes it's hard to love those that we come in contact with. And I think it's important to recognize that because if our mission is based only on love for the people that we're trying to reach, I mean, we may be in trouble. Now I know what you're thinking, Chip. I I don't know what you're talking about. That would never be true of me. I love everybody. Let me just kind of bring this back a little bit and maybe drill down a little bit. A few weeks ago, pretty much across locations, maybe it looked a little different everywhere we went, but we talked about what's going on over in Israel between Israel and Hamas. And we talked about the vile, evil, wicked, detestable, reprobate terrorism that is coming from Hamas as they have kidnapped Israeli citizens just so they could torture and murder them. Vile, wicked, evil. And yet, we are called to take the gospel to people just like that. And here's the truth. You, me, a mission board, we're never going to take the gospel to those people because of our love for those people. But we take the gospel to those people because of our love for Jesus. Because we know that he loves them. And that reminder is, that we ought to be thankful that he loves them because he loved us when we were far for him as well. So the motivation for our mission is that we we want to love people because we love God. And if we are not loving those people, maybe it's because we don't love God as much as we think. I mean, This is what John says later in some of his other writings. How are we going to love people who we can see? We don't love God who we can't. I mean, he says it like this in 1 John 4, verse 20. He says, now if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates a brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he cannot see, uh, who he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Read one more time. I messed it up. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We love others because we love God. And as we grow in our love for God, we will grow in our love for others. Not perfectly. We're never going to love others perfectly. Look, your your, your husband, your wife, your kids are still going to get on your nerves. We won't grow in our love perfectly, but we will grow gradually. See, I think this is what it means to be deeply formed in our mission, that Jesus himself is at the center of that mission, and that what we do in impacting lostness is out of love for him. We love others because of our love for Jesus at the center. And then 
the way that we love people most is by pointing them to life in Christ. You know, that, that love that Jesus talks about in John 3.16 wasn't a generic, fluffy, wishy-washy, abstract kind of love. It wasn't up to the people who heard it to define what God's love looked like. But Jesus said, no, God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. Right? And so the love that we are to show people is a specific love. It is a love that points them to our love. Hey, look, we love Jesus. Let me show you Jesus. Have you met Jesus? This is what he's done for me. This is what he can do for you. Listen, sharing the gospel is the most loving thing we can do for a lost person. But guys, we got to make sure that we do it out of love. We don't want to be a church known for drive-by evangelism. Hey, you're going to hell. Love Jesus. See you later. No. We want to make sure that our sharing the gospel is rooted in love. Love for that person because we know that God has loved us and love for God himself. And there is not a person in this world that you cannot love when you love God most. See, I think that's what it means for us to be deeply formed in our faith, in our life, and in our mission. We're formed in our faith, moving Jesus to the center by letting him speak to us as his spirit illuminates his word and letting his word, those scriptures, shape what we believe. And then as we move that Jesus, not just to the center of our beliefs, but to the center of our lives, we allow his word and his scripture to form our attitudes and to form uh, our affections and even to form our actions so that we look and we live differently with Jesus at the center. And then as Jesus has become the center of our life and we begin to look like him and to love like him, then we go to those that he loves, those who are far from him, and we just love them well. We build relationships. We invest in their life. We use our influence to point them to the one who's at the center of it all, Jesus. So my heart's desire for our church in the next year is that we would embrace this idea of spiritual formation and move Jesus to the center of our hearts and our lives and that we'll see it in what we believe and the way we live, and how we impact the lostness of our communities. I'm so thankful to be on this journey with you, and I'm excited about what God's going to do next. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the time that you've given us today. God, thank you for the time you've given us this month. And I ask as simply and as sincerely as I can, Lord, that you would shape each of us. And that as individuals, you would help push Jesus to the center of every place in our heart and every aspect of our life. And that as we as individuals begin to look more like Jesus and to love more like Jesus, that you would use us for your glory, for your name, on your mission, and we might see others come to faith in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.